cut through the smoke and mirrors, and see current events through the lens of common sense. Think about how bad things must be at the federal level for your state politicians to say, we're going to hold a constitutional convention and rewrite the Constitution. In the end, there's only two things we need to do. One, take the time to get right with God and just remember to be kind. The Joe Carey Show, weekday afternoons at 12. Atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk radio Show. Talk show. Ladies and gentlemen, sorry for the technical difficulties. I'll try to get Kurt back. In the meantime, we'll try to get our guest with us. In the meantime, we'll try to start to load the, uh, wow, the previous notes from the previous broadcast, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry about this. Too many things to do. One person to do every single bit of it. All right. Previous broadcast. We talked about uh, we're protesting Planned Parenthood, said Kristen Hawkins, studentsforlife.org. And we talked about a federal appeals court rules that Donald Trump can move forward with defunding Planned Parenthood. Stanforlife.org with that detail. Thank Wendy's for its amazing pro-adoption work helping children. AmericanFamilyAssociation.org. News the networks refuse to use. Liberty Roundtable Live Week in Review. We covered that for a significant portion of Saturday's broadcast as well. Then we dropped into a bombshell. Uh, I guess the or I guess Barack Obama knew that the FBI was spying on Donald Trump. Where's the arrest of Barack Hussein Obama? Huh? Literally, Obama, the president, sitting back, letting the FBI investigate his predecessor's opponent. Wow. Socialist representative. Ocasio-Cortez invited to see a real concentration camp. A Polish lawmaker mad at Ocasio-Cortez. It's an international scandal now. When someone cheapens history, we become agitated. World Net Daily with the piece. Ocasio-Cortez claimed in a speech, I guess it was a social media video, that the U.S. is running concentration camps on our southern border. Uh, talking about how we're overwhelmed. The interesting thing is the Democrats said we weren't overwhelmed. We were fine on the border. Donald doesn't know what he's talking about. Now they're admitting we've got disasters on the border. Who's going to pay for all these illegal immigrants coming to America? What quality of life should they have? What they ought to do is tap Joe Arpaio, put them all in tents. He could have a clean, simple life for them. Bologna sandwiches and, and, and tents and such shouldn't cost too much. Joe Arpaio has a lot of experience, but who's going to tap Joe, huh? 
Honesty is the issue, ladies and gentlemen. President Donald Trump had a 49% approval rating in the last USA Today poll, and they failed to report it. But when Donald had a 38%, just several months ago, they were all over the story. What's the difference? The answer is they hate the Donald, and they just can't bring themselves to report when the Donald does well. Forget the polls, ladies and gentlemen. Rampaging Donald Trump is going to win easily in 2020. Unless Democrat ostriches pull their heads out of the sand and look at reality. You know who said that? Piers Morgan. And this guy's a liberal as all get out, but at least you can see the writing on the wall, huh? All right. Then we had our guest live from the rally, Michelle Hendrickson, Eastern Regional Director for Students for Life of America, studentsforlife.org. She is leading the live rally that took place on Saturday in South Carolina, doing a phenomenal job. So we had her on highlighting the things that she's done. You with us yet, Kurt? Buenos dias. Greetings and salutations. Howdy, howdy, howdy. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Now I got to try to get our guest, Kurt. You want to entertain everybody while I get that done? Well, I'll do the best I can. Uh, You know, the... uh, the beautiful thing about this Monday morning, ladies and gentlemen, for us is that, uh, hey, it's a new day, and it's a new day for you as well, and we uh, encourage you as you're uh, going about it to, uh, well, make it a great day, as Sam would always say. It's a new day. As uh, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Another it's a new world, huh, Kurt? That's right. Well, you All can right. say that because it's... Uh, brings things forward once again you know as i looked uh through the list of uh interesting things uh you know besides the ones you brought up sam there's a lot on the uh, table but then there's uh, a lot of good uh, family time uh, efforts you know during these times in the summer but uh lots to uh bring forward i think uh you know uh the other day uh you asked me what the uh oh, one of our listeners sent an email um or a text saying he was wanting to recommend a particular uh movie and uh in this case he uh recommended the movie a man for all seasons it's not a movie that uh, i'm familiar with um but uh he what's the movie it called recommended it's called a man for all seasons and, yeah, and i didn't uh, even under, really understand that so kurt emails me while i'm on the air on saturday with this blip from a listener and i don't understand the blip so i email kurt back and i say hey do you want to come on and tell us about it so now kurt's telling you about the email that i got i just didn't understand the email really yeah there you go. So what is this movie, Kurt? Tell me all about it. Why is it being recommended? What's the story? I don't know all about it. I just, I'm telling Why you. Why is it being recommended? Uh, Why are we even bringing it up? Let's ask that. Because it was a uh, request from an email. And what's he saying? Watch this movie. Is he saying he this says, is a bad a movie? for all seasons yeah. is a recommended movie for your audience. As today, he says, is his feast day. Yeah, so, so do you know what that I, means? I think... I think it has something to do with the uh, Catholics, as far as I know. Okay. I'll have to so what you got to do is you got to look up, up what feast day is, and you got to educate yourself before you bring it up. Otherwise, at least a guy like me just looks like an idiot when I don't know what I'm talking about and have to flat out admit it, right? Well, I, but I'm used to looking like an idiot. It's okay with 
that for me. Okay, so this is a recommended movie, and we don't know why. That's really what we're saying. Well, he said it's because today is his feast day. He's talking about Saturday. All right. Um, And so, uh, you know, we're just doing the best we can to pass on. All right. There you go. So to me, it's a good thing. Hey, by the way, Lowell, do you know what feast day is? Don't know what feast day is, but I do know what Man for All Seasons is. All right. Good movie. Recommended. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, it's one of the movies that I like to watch every year, Sam. It's, uh, it's a story about Sir Thomas More uh, back when he was having, uh, when, when, when he was, you know, standing against the King of England, uh, who, I can't remember which king it was, but, you know, who, who couldn't have offspring, and so decided to divorce his first wife and marry his second wife so they get an offspring, but but that was against the law, right? And against the church's law. And so Sir Thomas More wouldn't go along with the king. Everybody else did. And uh, Sir Thomas More simply refused to go along. And so the study of a, of a patriot, of a, of, a, of a person's life who did the right thing, who lost his life over it, lost his home, lost his, his family, lost everything over his simple um, uh, adherence to, to a simple principle that he was going to obey God and not... Uh, go along with the king of the land. I mean, it's a powerful movie, and uh, I, I strongly recommend it. Absolutely. All right. Well, there you go. I'll have to study up. I'm not really into divorcing wives, but hey, what do I know, right? Well, tell well he's, he's, uh, he's he, he was he would be he's like going against I mean, it. He go, going against that. So he's not wanting to divorce wives. No, no, exactly. Right. The king wanted to do that, but um, Sir Thomas More said, hey, that's God's right. laws above He's the not... king's law. You shouldn't do that. Right. Right. Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, hey, we all ought to study up and learn about it. Now, I'm just the kind of guy, unless I get somebody that knows something more about something than me, then I got to either bring on a guest that knows more about me or I got to study up and be caught up on it. That's all. It's just my way of going about things. You know me. Clueless as could be. <laughs> Trying to just have a handle on something, though. All right, so there's a leadership school going on. I probably need to go to this so I can be caught up on more things, right, Lowell? Well, this would be a great way to get caught up on tools and tactics that will enable you to persuade your legislators to do what you want them to do. And when I say legislators, I mean anybody in a deliberative legislative body. could be a city council, could be a county commission, or it could be you know legislators at the state level who meet together and decide on laws for, for that particular state. So... So, or it could be congressmen, you know, the Congress. Uh, that's members of a deliberative body. Basically, they set policy, they set forth a law, and this class uh, enables the uh, uh, grassroots activists to understand how to, 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 to persuade them to do what you want them to do. Now, most politicians are predictable. I mean, they just put their finger up in the wind, decide which way the wind blows, and that's the way they're going to vote. And so, you know, a great deal of the class is, is devoted to helping um, helping create that wind, so to speak, so that the politicians will do what you want them to do. Uh, you, if you ever run into a statesman, somebody like Larry McDonald from Georgia or Ron Paul from Texas, they don't do what the people, you know, necessarily want them to do. They do the right thing. They, they're what we call statesmen. <laughs> there's, and, 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 and there's a few and far between statesmen are, and, and, and yet those are the kind of people we really seek to serve us in these legislative bodies. So part of the class is devoted to finding and, and training up those kind of people. So it's a fantastic class. Sandy, July 27th. Uh, go to campaignforliberty.org slash Utah to sign up. Sam? 
Hang tight, ladies and gentlemen. Quick pause. Sam and Kurt on your radio. Lowell Nelson campaign for liberty.org. Our guest. I'd invite Mr. Trump to stop whining and go try to make his case to get votes. The press has created a rigged system. They even want to try and rig the election. Well, I tell you what, it it helps in Ohio that we got uh, Democrats in charge of the machines. And poisoned the mind of so many of our voters. At the polling booths, where so many cities are corrupt and voter fraud is all too common. And then they say, oh, there's no voter fraud in our country. I come from Chicago. So, so I want to be honest, it's not as if it's just Republicans who have monkeyed around with elections in the past. Sometimes Democrats have too. You know, whenever people are in power, they're, you know, they have this tendency to try to, you know, tilt things in their direction. There's no one. You start whining before the game's even over. Whenever things are going badly for you and you lose, you start blaming somebody else. Then you don't have what it takes to be in this job. Hi, I'm Patty, wife of former Congressman Steve Stockman. In Congress, Steve sought impeachment of Eric Holder for his corruption of the Justice Department and his fast and furious gun running that caused border agent Brian Talley's death. Steve called for arrest of Lois Lerner for her contempt of Congress as it investigated her targeting of conservative nonprofit groups. After four years, four grand juries, and millions of tax dollars, Steve Stockman is in prison. His case involved four checks to nonprofits. DOJ has one standard for Hillary Clinton, but another for folks like President Trump and my husband. We've spent all our savings, all Steve's retirement, and much of mine. Steve Stockman has fought for you and America. Won't you join me now to fight for Steve? To help, text FIGHT to 444-999, text F-I-G-H-T to 444-999, or go to DefendAPatriot.com, DefendAPatriot.com. All right, leadership meeting, July the 27th in Salt Lake City opportunity to understand really how it works inside the election cycles and inside campaigns and inside what it takes to really get elected with the delegates etc etc campaignforliberty.org doing a phenomenal job on that uh you know i think campaign for liberty makes a tremendous difference and i think really um you know without guys like that that believe in true conservative principles and stuff like that i just kind of wonder where the republican party would be they're already as south enough as it is, Lowell, and you just wonder without folks like you in the middle of things trying to help bring people back to the platform and back to the principles that make America great. You kind of wonder where it would be without folks like you. It would be a disaster, sir. Well, I kind of describe it like I'm uh, here uh, you know, trying to drag the uh, Republicans kicking and screaming back to the Constitution. <laughs> so uh, it's, a, it's a chore, but uh, you know, thankfully, I'm not alone in this. We have a lot of good people that are with me, and, and, and we're working to make this happen. You know, it really comes down to, to getting people elected at the local level. That's where all politics is, is it really ought to be focused. Uh, we, I, we probably waste more time, uh, you know, when we uh, try to persuade a congressman to do something on this right than we do when we're here at the local level. It's much easier to persuade your, your, your city council person to do what's right. But, um, you know, we need good people at all levels, and they need influence. They need to hear from the from the liberty-minded people, uh, regardless of where they're serving, whether it's state or national or, or local office. And 
The more people we have doing raising the chorus of voices in support of liberty, the more likely they are, these politicians are, to, to do what's right, to make the right choices, to protect your life, liberty, and property instead of terrorizing you with taxes and, and other things. So it's worthwhile, Sam, and I appreciate everybody who's willing to, to jump in the fight. I appreciate you guys for airing the information that you air. And, um, you know, there's lots of ways that people can, can be involved in this in this uh, campaign for liberty, whether it's, uh, you know, book clubs or radio shows or, or, or fighting in, in, in party politics, uh, fighting for the right. You know, I mean, there's a lot of great ways. Raising a family, probably the most important thing a person can do, a mom and a dad getting together, raising a family in righteousness and uh, helping them understand, uh, you know, the, the, the proper role of government. I mean, that is that is uh, invaluable. It's so helpful. So uh, there you go, Sam. Love All right. Any final comments on this one, Kurt? Mm, I can't think of anything to add. All right. Lowell's going to be there. Kurt's working on signing up. I'm editing the notes. Listener David, A Man for All Seasons is a recommended movie. Last Saturday was his feast day. I got to go learn about that stuff, folks, and get caught up. I know everybody else kind of uh, is already squared away on it, but I got to go learn something I just don't know very much about, you know? Although, for me, it seems like every day is a feast day, Kurt. You know what I mean? That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every day right. you get to eat again. Mm-hmm. And, hey, today's, what, a new day? Hey, Lol, just so you know, today's a new day, buddy. A new day. Right that new now. Sunday. Yeah. Here comes the sun. And uh, so this new day, uh, we want to delve into, is this a conspiracy or is this a fact? Was General Patton assassinated by the U.S. government, lol? <laughs> Boy, when I read this uh, column, I was, uh, I did a double take, Sam. I didn't know. I, I didn't know that there was a, a plot to assassinate General George S. Patton. I didn't even know about a postage stamp. This article brought this to light. There's a three-cent postage stamp honoring General George S. Patton, Jr. and the armored forces of the U.S. Army. It was issued in 1953. Well, that was soon after World War II ended, and, of course, General Patton was instrumental in leading the military in the European theater to, to you know, to victory there. Um, of course, I don't know how anybody can really be victorious in war, but because so many people die. But um, and nonetheless, uh, he was honored, um, and, and, and he knew a bunch of inside information, inside baseball, what was really going on at the highest levels of government, you know, uh, during World War II. And um, for some, you know, and so there was uh, apparently, uh, well, I, I don't want to spill the beans on here too, too quick. Let me, let me back up one step. There, there is a columnist who posted this article at lourockwell.com, which is where I stumbled onto it yesterday. And um, this columnist uh, stumbled onto a website about 10, 15 years ago suggesting that, that Patton, uh, or Patton, one of America's most renowned military commanders of World War II, had been murdered by order of the U.S. government. And well, so this columnist uh, couldn't believe it, and he started digging, and he found a book. There's a book entitled Target Patton, written by Robert K. Wilcox, published by Regnery Press. I mean, that's a respectable uh, press, uh, Regnery. And uh, this book is, uh, is over 450 pages, an extensive bibliography, and nearly 700 footnotes, Sam. So this is not just somebody's off-the-wall, you know, 30, uh, you know, word uh, idea. I mean, this is a well-documented book with uh, over 700 footnotes 
The many years spent by the author on this project are clearly reflected in the content, which include numerous personal interviews and a careful analysis of an enormous amount of primary and secondary source material. Uh, so he says, I've seldom encountered so detailed and seemingly exhaustive a work of investigatory journalism. Quite understandable given the explosive nature of the charges being made, and yet the expose has never reached readers of the American mainstream media. Well, that's certainly true. I mean, I've never heard about this book. Um, and so uh, the great thing this columnist does is bring to light, you know, he, he bought the book and read it, and then he brought to light just several, you know, paragraphs or conclusions of his own after having read the book. He says Wilcox himself uh, had been just as shocked as anyone uh, when he first encountered the surprising claims, but the initial evidence persuaded him to invest years fully researching the theory before publishing the results. Some of his major findings seem quite telling. And um, he says, uh, so, so now we get into to some of the, just two or three conclusions, which, you know, this columnist uh, finds overwhelming as far as evidence that Patton really was assassinated. So in the months before his death, Patton had become a powerful critic of the, of the American government its conduct of World War II, and its policy toward the Soviets. He planned to resign from the military after returning to the U.S. and then begin a major public speaking tour against America's political leadership. As one of the most celebrated war heroes, his denunciations would certainly have had a huge impact. And so his fatal car accident took place the day before his scheduled departure home, and he had narrowly escaped death twice before under very strange circumstances. So there are extensive personal interviews with the self-confessed government assassin. That's interesting. And then attached to uh, this assassin was then attached to America's OSS intelligence service. And, and as your listeners probably know, Sam, OSS preceded the CIA. We call it the CIA now, but it was called the OSS back in the uh, 40s, 50s, and 60s. This operative, this, this assassin, this paid assassin, had a long and substantially documented career in exactly that kind of activity, basically a James Bond-type activity, right? Both during the war and for decades after the war, allegedly working internationally on a freelance basis and then weeding, quote-unquote, weeding selected human targets, both for the CIA and for various other employers, such as MI5, MI6, and... The Osad and, and, you know, from Israel and so forth. Anyway, towards the end of his life, this former OSS agent became disgruntled over what he regarded as his ill treatment by ungrateful U.S. government bureaucrats and also a bit guilt-ridden over having been responsible for the death of one of America's greatest military heroes, prompting his decision to go public and his claims backed by a voluminous personal diary. And numerous other interviews with individuals connected with the circumstances of Patton's death seem to largely corroborate the theory. Uh, just about done here, Sam. The assassin recounted the OSS chief William Donovan had ordered the killing on the grounds that Patton had gone crazy, become a major threat to American national interests. Right? Isn't that the excuse we use all the time, Sam? Is this is a threat to Americans? You know, uh, security. Yeah, and not only is it a threat, but don't worry, all the documents are secret, so you can't really even ascertain that for yourself. Exactly. Well, so around the same time, a military counterintelligence field agent began encountering credible reports 
of a planned assassination plot against Patton and attempted to warn his superiors, including Donovan, this Donovan guy who is in charge of the OSS. Not only were his warnings disregarded, but he was repeatedly threatened and at one point even placed under arrest. It seems clear that Donovan's orders came from his superiors either in the White House or elsewhere. Well, Sam, you can read more about this at LouRockwell.com. The column goes on and on. But it's worth, you know, and I bring it up, Sam, just simply because I think it illustrates just how criminal our government behaves. You know, we, we often talk about the criminality of our fiat currency, about a regime change effort, about killing Americans with embargoes, blockades, bombs, and drones. Well, this story discusses the assassination of Patton and one of our own. And yet you probably didn't even hear a whisper about this from mainstream media. Amen to that. Hang tight. I want to break this down a little further. We've got a couple of other incredible topics. Lowell Nelson, Campaign for Liberty.org, and Seconds on your radio. Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Tim Berg. President Trump says he delayed yesterday's planned immigration raids on nearly a dozen cities because he wants to give Democrats every last chance to address immigration issues. ICE agents were expected to round up around 2,000 illegal aliens on Sunday, but the president called off the raids. New acting director of U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, Ken Cuccinelli, says this not only affects people on the national level, it also affects people on the local level. Look, I've been in a courtroom in Prince William County, Virginia, and watched a juvenile court judge try to deal with placing a child who is clearly illegal with a family who the child was clearly not related to. Mm. Cuccinelli was speaking there on Fox News, and severe weather could affect over 50 million Americans today, from Georgia all the way up to Michigan, over to Pennsylvania. And you're listening to USA Radio News. Hi. I'm Captain Obvious, and every day, thousands of people book trips on Hotels.com. Trips you will later hate like. What's a hate like? It's when you like Becky's picture of another perfect waterfall, even though you kind of hate it. It's not that you hate Becky, it's that you hate that she's there, and you're at work listening to Lisa talk about her alleged food allergies. Don't hate like Becky's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there, do that, get rewarded. Liberty Mutual Insurance presents When generic insurance takes hold One handsome man and one flightless bird Are teaming up to save the world Money Their message? Liberty Mutual customizes your car insurance So you only pay for what you need Their mission? Savings Their relationship? Best friends Say hello to Liberty Mutual's new spokes team And Doug Only pay for what you need at LibertyMutual.com Liberty, Liberty, Liberty Underwritten by Liberty Mutual Insurance Company and affiliates. Equal housing insurer. State laws apply. Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders wants to get rid of student loan debt for every American. The 2020 Democratic presidential candidate will put his plan before Congress today, and that will get rid of $1.6 trillion of debt for around 45 million Americans. Sanders' plan is light on details, as he says it would be paid for by Wall Street and Wall Street speculation. 
The national average for a gallon of gasoline has now declined for the seventh consecutive week. USA Radio Network's John Clemens has more. The price dropped two and a half cents a gallon down to right below 265. But according to Patrick DeHaan of GasBuddy.com, that price will soon be increasing. Prices the pump last week declined basically due to previous drops in the price of oil. And that's why perhaps this last week of decline, the seventh straight week, may represent the last weekly decline we see for some time. It's likely that retail gas prices soon begin to pick up steam. With the USA Radio Network, I'm John Clemens. And you're listening to USA Radio News. So here's the jaded kind of view that I've <clears throat> learned to accept when it comes to government. Kirk Cosby with me. Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org with me. Lowell brings up this incredible column asking the question, was General Patton assassinated by the U.S. government? And let me just tell you, whether it's going to the moon, <laughs> whether it's scandals relating to vaccines or 9-11, or the Oklahoma City bombing, or, I mean, it goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. To a question like this, I have to start out, because the government's been involved in so many false flag information, so much dishonesty, so much cover-up of corruption. My default is probably, whatever the government claims, my default is they're lying. i got to look at the opposite view more seriously than whatever's being claimed. So for our whole lives, you know, hey, many of us thought, hey, Patton was a hero, did a great job. Uh, all's well, but now he's here. You know, did the government assassinate him? My response is probably. Did the government put somebody in jail? Illegal, illegal. Probably. Did we go to the moon? Probably not. Didn't was nine eleven a false flag? Probably. Uh, and I know that sounds just super cynical, but you know what? Lol, it's happening so often. The more we discover, almost every massive event in history has got some kind of a scandal, corruption behind it. Hey, did the did the president intentionally? Absorb a first strike in World War II and allow the Japanese to hit Pearl Harbor first full well knowing in an effort to drag us into a war? Yeah. Okay. We go on and on to the point where I almost have to every single time whatever claims being made just pick the opposite view. And you know what? Nine times out of ten, it seems like I'll be vindicated. Now, I know that sounds like a very jaded view. But, Lowell, what do you say to that? I mean, can we? can you blame me for thinking that way? <laughs> well, I don't. I don't blame you for thinking that way because that's kind of the way I think uh, as well. The government, you know, anybody who has something to hide, there's there's a reason that they have something to hide, and, and so and when they use the power of government to, to to do that, to hide their 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 evil doings, their their talks, their conspiracies, whatever, um, you know, then you then you have pretty good evidence that that uh, they've done something wrong, and because there's so much corruption. In government, it's the corruption that the power corrupts and the money corrupts, and they want to keep a secret from the rest of us. And they engage the lamestream media, the mainstream organs of, of news agencies, to, to to go along with them. You know, and, and it, it, there's just so much evidence. And and like you've been proven right over and over again. Um, you know, I, we'd be happy to be proven wrong. We really would. Because, uh, you know, we want government to, to be righteous. We want it to be filled with good people doing the right thing. And, and in a lot of ways, we do have a lot of good people doing the right thing. But when bad people, evil people are in control and they, uh, they do the wrong thing and they're not transparent, 
then then probably the worst is probably true. And it only takes a few bad actors strategically placed, oftentimes by secret combinations, to make the rest of the people suffer. It doesn't take a whole lot of people to, to make things go south in a hurry. And the other reason I, I, I agree with you, Sam, on this point is because Book of Mormon has uh, pretty much told us that the secret combinations is what uh, you know would get above uh, would would get above us, and we've had uh, you know, we we see that uh, basically uh, the evil people have have these uh, these conspiracies with one another where they get in power and they 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 you know swear to each other that you know they're not going to divulge these these secrets on pain of death. Right, and and these are the types of, of secret organizations that ha- that have gotten above us, and it's and sadly, be- oftentimes something starts out as a secret cabal or a combination or whatever you want to say, a conspiracy, but then over time you find out that it's real. Let's just take Creature from Jekyll Island. Hey, back in 1913, it was hush-hush for all these political congressmen and senators to go to Jekyll Island to sell us south, but now it's it's in plain sight. We know full well. I mean, there's even, a, as far as I understand, there's even kind of a tribute to it. If you go to, to uh, Georgia now and go to Jekyll Island, you can even see the door where they met, you know, the room where they met and all this kind of stuff. And I mean, it's basically documented. Back in the day, people would be like, oh, my gosh, you're nuts. Nowadays, it's just a, a given. Another example in modern times is George Bush said, well, look, I'm only spying. He got caught spying on everybody. Well, I'm only spying on people overseas that have ties to terror. And, well, it turns out we find out he spied on all of us illegally. And then the government gave him authority to do so via the Congress, supposedly. And then we kind of back into it and go, so what? Now everybody's spying on us, right? And we're just like, well, mm, man, it's really bad. Everybody's spying on us, you know, from the CIA to the... And then we say, well, hey, man, look, in the Ammon Bundy case, the government is literally making up evidence and falsifying things. And, and there's no accountability. And people go, well, you're crazy. That isn't right. And now the judge comes out, dismisses the whole case and says, yeah, the government's guilty of withholding sculptory evidence and making up evidence and lying to the courts and perjuring themselves and... And the judge says that, and then people sweep it all under rug, and they're like, well, who cares? Wait a minute. Okay, and this is what we kind of see from the start. I think the next headline relates to this very well. We're talking about double jeopardy, a hallmark of tyranny. And uh, this is a big case, and we brought this up when it came out, and, and we'll bring it up until the cows come home. This double jeopardy stuff has got to go, but what they do is they manipulate and find an end run round uh, the intent. So now you got what federal and state both attacking in this case. That's exactly right, Sam. Um, and I, I uh, wasn't uh, listening the day you brought this up. Uh, you said that you brought this up earlier. This probably several years ago when you brought this up, and I'm glad you did. Uh, if this is the the case of Terrence Gamble uh, of Alabama. He had been convicted of robbery in Alabama. Well, anybody who's convicted of robbery, uh, you know. It's, becomes a felon, right? If he's convicted, he's found guilty. So, so he became a felon, and then later he was stopped by a policeman in Mobile, Alabama, who claimed that Gamble was driving a car with a damaged headlight, right? So that's the reason for the stop. So he checks out Gamble, and uh, he claims that Gamble uh, let him search his car, which probably is not credible because I don't, I don't know. Some people do allow that. Some people don't. But anyway, the, the search revealed the loaded handgun and uh, I guess the reason I don't find that credible is that, you know, Terrence Gamble wouldn't have allowed him to search the car if he had known that there was a gun in there. Anyway, loaded handgun in the car. He's a felon, so Gamble gets arrested, right? So so he was a convicted felon at the time his vehicle stopped. Handgun was discovered. So possession of the handgun violated Alabama state law, 
and also violated federal law. Both laws prohibited convicted felons from owning or possessing firearms, right? So he pleads guilty in Alabama state courts being a felon in possession of a handgun and begins to serve his jail sentence, right? Well, federal prosecutors come along. They obtain an indictment for Gamble's violation of the federal statute prohibiting felons from possessing firearms. Well, so Gamble, he, he you know, at this, by this time he's read the Constitution. He understands Fifth Amendment, which says, nor shall, it says in part anyway, nor shall any person be subject for the same offense to be twice put in jeopardy of life or limb, right? Basically, it says to the federal, to the general government, you can't prosecute a person twice for the same offense. Well, <clears throat> so he pleads guilty in the Alabama state court, right? And then he starts serving a sentence, and then comes the feds after him. And uh, now anybody who's listening to this right now should be jumping up, standing up out of their chair and jumping up and down, shouting into the radio or into the Internet, saying the general government was not given authority to prohibit felons from possessing guns, right? I mean, that's, that would be my well, And I don't even believe the state either. <laughs> okay. But, but, but at least this, this is plain and simple, not a, an authority that the states gave to the general government. Right? They, they said the government, the, the general government could punish three things. Counterfeiting, piracy, and treason. That's it. And possession of guns is not on that list. Now, there's only three things, right? Counterfeiting, piracy, and treason. And they've well, specifically let the banks counterfeit with the Federal Reserve, just like I've told you right now. Uh, you got people committing treason left and right in America at high levels of government. Uh, and, and piracy goes on all the time. So they're not doing their job. And uh, and so uh, that that just, so that's the number one thing. I mean, as I read this story, uh, Sam, it was just I was just I was just struck by the fact that here we've got we're, we're allowing you know most people believe that the general government law against uh, felons possessing guns is is a valid law. Well, it's not. Well, and they do, and they also believe double jeopardy is fine because they don't understand the constitution or the intent of the founding fathers. Now, here's what's interesting. I brought this case up just, uh, we brought it up for probably the last 25, 30 years we've been on the radio. Um, I didn't know about the specific case you're pointing to, but the reason that I said we just brought this up, Lowell, is because in the beginning they would do this double jeopardy as a unique circumstance. And what they'd try to do is dismiss it as, well, there's a unique circumstance that justifies the retrial here. And the, the, the minutia or the details would, would confuse people and they'd be like, okay. Well, the latest one to do that was the... Um, Hammond case, you know, where the Hammonds got put in jail. We finally pushed and got them free, thank heavens. But yeah. they were basically tried on, on charges. And then, hey, um, first off, it was, well, you lit a fire and you shouldn't have on federal land. And then it was, well, you're a terrorist. And then, okay, so they got beat up on the double jeopardy discussion. Well, I don't know if you know, but double jeopardy is a hallmark of tyranny. And at first, what they do is they do it, and then if you stand against it, they say, well, you're just a conspiracy nut. There's no intent to create double jeopardy here. There's legitimate reasons why. However, six days ago, we just got a headline that says, Supreme Court says person can be charged and tried in state and federal court for the same behavior, says CNN. Gorsuch and others tried to stop it, but the court ruled. Lowell's response in seconds. Recent studies show that parents who smoke in the home 
are more likely to have children who smoke. Yes, in fact, my brother, he's 22 now, he told me and my father that's why he started smoking. One of the reasons why he started smoking is because my dad was around, you know, and he, he, my dad, they saw my dad smoking. My dad said, okay, I don't want you to smoke. I don't want you to you know, watch what I'm doing. Recent studies also show that in homes where parents don't smoke, their children usually don't smoke either. I am the way I am because my grandparents taught me what not to do. They gave me morals. They gave me belief. They gave me something to believe in. They just taught me well. I love them. <laughs> I do. Smoking. If you think you're old enough to start, you're smart enough to stop. A public service message from this station and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Can a nation conceived in liberty carry its head high if it denies protection to the youngest and most vulnerable of its citizens? Can a country founded on God-given rights continue to thrive without understanding that life is a precious gift from our Creator? As a physician, I have looked into the eyes of one-pound babies. I have cradled their small bodies in the palm of one hand. I defy those who are careless, who would disregard life and look at these tiny little miracles and say, we're not going to protect that. But I believe there will come a time when we are all judged on whether or not we took a stand in defense of all life from the moment of conception until our last natural breath. One thing I promise you, I will always take a stand for life. So like I say, at first it's hidden, then it's in plain sight. At first they basically like, oh man, there's a legitimate reason there's double jeopardy here. Different charges, different circumstances. Kind of like George Bush. Yeah, I'm not really spying on everybody, just the overseas terrorist people. You know, it's legitimate. And then we find out that's a big old lie and they back into violating our rights. So double jeopardy, a hallmark of tyranny. There's no doubt about that reality check. But just six days ago, CNN released an article and, and many other news services. So just go look it up if you want. But... Supreme Court says person can be charged and tried in state and federal court for the same conduct. CNN. Now they're blatantly putting in your face, lol. They sure are. Did you see that, by the way? I did not see that. All right, so that's why I said I just brought it up recently because literally now it used to be the unique circumstances where they'd try to justify it. Now they're just blatantly saying, yes, hey, you can do that. Just a complete departure from the way it's been for the last 250 years since the republic was founded, sir. So this is where the state, if they had backbone, should and would stand up against the general government's uh, position on this. This the, The Supreme Court is wrong on this, folks. And for those of you who don't think that the Supreme Court can be wrong, well, think again, because they're often wrong. They've reversed themselves over 200 times in the last 200 years, Sam. And, and so to think that the U.S. Supreme Court is infallible is, 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 is really naive. Well, and they're also having radical departure from former viewpoints or standards on, uh, on things, just radical departures. Roe versus Wade is an example. The government was pro-life before that, you know. Uh, Brown versus Board of Education. Some of these things are just radical, flat-out, 180-degree departures from the way things uh, were and have been and should have been, as if there's authority just to change the law. This is flat-out a changing of the law, lol. 
And Neil Gorsuch uh, wrote in defense on this uh, particular decision, this one last week, Sam. He wrote that, that a free society does not allow its government to try the same individual for the same crime until it's happy with the result. But that's what they're doing, right? I mean, with this, with this precedent, with this decision from last week, um, they, will, they, will, they will go after a person who's, you know, criminally convicted in a state court. They can go after him again and again until they get a, a, a you know, a guilty verdict. They get a punishment against him. And then, and then basically that punishment of the, from the federal government on top of the state government is double punishment for the single act, right, or for single crime. And uh, it's just not appropriate. It's, it's not appropriate because punishment should fit the crime, number one. And it's not appropriate because the Constitution doesn't allow the, the, the general government to prosecute domestic crime. It just doesn't. It simply doesn't, Sam. Now, the sad part is we believe that Donald has a majority on the Supreme Court, but he doesn't. This is proof in the pudding. Yeah. I mean, this is a serious, serious failure after two Donald appointees, right? Well, and they do it with something called textualism. And I just said 30 seconds on this, Sam. But that means fraud, ladies and gentlemen, pretended that it makes <laughs> yeah. sense. Meaning a literal adherence to the words of the document. So what they did, folks, is they looked at the word offense. And they said that the offense is different than a crime. And because the offense doesn't mean the same as the crime, what the, what the founders said when they, they said you can't be tried twice for the same offense, they didn't mean you couldn't be tried twice for the same crime. I mean, it's, it's parsing words with a microscope, Sam, and it's called textualism, and it's wrong. It's flat-out wrong. And what it really means to do is change the law from the bench under a guy's term that makes you believe that they can just parse the words out and say separation of offense and crime. They don't mean the same things, and here's why, and here's how we define them, and da-da-da. What they're really doing, though, is fraudulently making law from the bench, and every one of these judges who did not dissent from this should be impeached. I mean, this yeah. is absolutely out of control. And this is what I mean by, hey, they're committing treason everywhere. To do this, in my mind, to depart from reality and from the 250-year history and to do so and then mock the people. I mean, it's treasonous, sir. Because where does it end, Lowell? It's a great question, Sam. It doesn't end until enough people like you and me get knowledgeable, informed enough to put people in Congress to impeach these judges. That's what it's going to take, Sam. It's a tall order, and I don't know if it'll ever happen. But meanwhile, we got to try. We have to inform people. We have to inform one another about what the law of the land, the supreme law of the land, really is and what it isn't. And one thing it isn't, it did not give authority to the general government to prosecute a, a domestic offense. It simply didn't. It said piracy, counterfeiting, and treason. Those are the three things that are punishable by the general government. Everything else is left up to the state, and that's what we need to get back to. And I'm suggesting crime and offense means the same thing, and we're playing games with terms, and we're redefining our way into changing laws from the bench and violating to that degree with that intent. Activism from the bench borders on treason because you obliterate the separation of powers, thus making our republic null and void to some degree. Yeah. Yeah. See, the other term we need to, to, to follow is originalism, right? There's Textualism is not originalism. Textualism is, is, is literal parsing of the words uh, using a common uh, current dictionary. But originalism is an understanding of the intent of the founders and the framers of the Constitution as expressed during the ratification debate, debates, I'm sorry, ratification debates 
in each of the states. That's how the Constitution was sold to these conventions of people in the various states, and that's how we ought to understand it and interpret it. So the idea is, even if modern day you can parse those two words, you got to go back and say, what did the Founding Fathers intend? And what the Founding Fathers intended was a separation of jurisdictions and the idea that you can't just harass somebody until you can force them into prison. The reality is they get a fair, open, transparent trial of a jury of their peers that only be tried once for the same crime. Otherwise, you can always be under the government thumb, so to speak, or the, the you know what? We wouldn't have this hallmark of tyranny, and they knew and understood for what it was. And if you're going to err on any side, it should be on the side of, hey, we're not even going to come close to that, because we know tyranny is one of the worst things uh, America could ever have. So it was clearly understood, and we uh, our original intent, folks, we, we want to really understand what the Founding Fathers meant, why they meant it, what they were afraid of, what they were concerned of, and then uh, not contextual, but we want to put it in context of their views and say, this was their intent, this is what we shall carry forward. But literally, this double jeopardy plan is going to change the law flat out in America to never be the same again. It's a small example um, on one hand that hardly anybody even understands or caught. We focused on it because it's so critical. It's a fundamental change. They're changing the affairs of America. And when they do, every time they dismantle checks and balances, they obliterate um, jurisdictional lines and every time what it means is more power in the hands of the few and closer to tyranny um where every one of us will be in jeopardy whether it's double hey why not triple why not quadruple hey jeopardy for you and not for me and 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 we go down the road uh, of pulling the lever of the government in favor or uh, in favor of the few at the expense of the many and i'm telling you it's disaster from the bench folks i submit to you that it borders on treason maybe i'm the only one that'll be bold enough to say that but i'm telling you you will change the affairs of the nation and we will never be able to go back if we're not very 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 careful indeed medical ids an enemy of privacy liberty and health lol Ron Paul posted a column last week at CampaignForLiberty.org entitled Medical IDs, Enemy of Privacy, Liberty, and Health. Now, he wrote and posted this column, Sam, because of a vote taken in the U.S. House last week, which repealed the prohibition on the use of federal funds to create a unique patient identifier. Basically, this is an ID, national ID system, that the medical community wanted to implement Well, back in 1998, Ron Paul, in Congress, a member of the U.S. House, sponsored legislation which prohibited the use of federal funds to create this unique patient ID. And uh, so here it is, 2019, what's that, 21 years later, the the Congress voted to repeal that prohibition. So what that means, Sam, is that Unless this prohibition is reinstated in the very near future, then people are going to forget about this, and the general government will then arrogate the authority to assign every American a medical ID. Now, let me stop you there. Yeah. Because I don't know if people understand, but we already have a medical ID. It's called an SSN. Yeah. And, and I know you can say that, well, that's not really a directly a medical ID, Sam. My response is it's used for identification. It's used for Medicare, the biggest health care system in the country. In fact, even when you don't use um, Medicaid or Medicare, the government health care, I don't know if you know, but all the payments and all the procedures and all the details, all of it's based on government Medicare, Medicaid guidelines. 
Uh, and, and everybody has a number right when you're born, they give it to you. And, you know, they say, well, it was only used to, to, to pay your income taxes for work. And, but they backed it into a federal ID. You have to have that number to get a passport. You got to have that number to get a driver's license. You got to. And so I appreciate the point Ron's making. And I don't know that we want a national ID, but what's the difference? If I have this number, it can be used for anything. I can be double jeopardied. Hey, we've already got a de facto number, don't we? Yeah, but, but see here, they just want to make it legal, right? I mean, that, we described this. So now we're talking about, just like I said, the George Bush scenario or whatever else. It starts out kind of in secret, behind the scenes. You can't connect the dots to then pretty soon it's just peddled right in your face. Yeah, personal story. By the way, the first original SSN cards, just so you know, the Social Security cards, said not to be used for identification on them. Did you know that? Yeah, I, I still have my card. You bet. The one that I got when I was a kid. Yep. And another personal story, Sam, the last time I went down to the bank to purchase uh, pesos, you know, for a trip to Mexico, um, I wanted to buy several hundred dollars worth of pesos, uh, and uh, they asked for my Social Security number, Sam. I said, what? What do you want this Social Security number for? And they said, well, banking regulations require that we get a Social Security number of anybody who wants to buy foreign currencies. And I said, have you ever read the 1974 Privacy Act, sir? <laughs> well, of course, he was just a young buck in his 20s. He had never heard of it, the 1974 Privacy Act. But that was an act to protect people from uh, uh, malicious uh requesters for this number. But they've got updates to that act that obliterates the 1974 act, too. That's what I mean. They first start out, hey, this will never be used. Don't worry. It's okay. Legitimate purpose. You want to pay your fair share of taxes, don't you? They're lulling. Then they back this into, uh, hey, we're bordering on tyranny with this stuff, folks. So Ron's right. We don't want them to gain more ground on this. But in my opinion, I submit the original assaults already happened. Yeah. Well, I happen to agree with you, Sam. Unfortunately, uh, so for the rest of us, uh, you know, they already have our Social Security numbers. They use them for lots of things, and now they're moving in a direction to, to legalize this relationship, this connection. What, the next thing they're going to do, Sam, is they're going to want to connect all of your medical records with this ID, if they haven't already anyway. They're going to legalize this, and then, you know, this, this really hurts the, our, our liberty because... As you know, Sam, when you're talking to a doctor, you often disclose information that you don't talk about with anybody else, right? I mean, what you eat and uh, and what you do to maintain your own health. I mean, this type of information is disclosed to a doctor because you want the doctor to help you in a medical way. You want a, an accurate diagnosis. Well, in order for a physician to provide an accurate diagnosis, the physician needs to understand what you are doing, what you're eating, how you're resting, what you're exercising, you know, all of these things to help you, uh, in, you know, provide a diagnosis. Well, that type of information, if you even simply hint at the fact that you might be, uh, you, know, you know, doing drugs or something, then you might be forfeiting your right to possess weapons, your handguns, or means of defense of yourself and your family. And this national ideal help make sure with double and triple and quadruple jeopardy, buddy. If they don't like you, you're going to prison forever. Yeah. Well, it's serious, Sam, and I appreciate you guys for bringing this information to light, providing a voice for liberty. Keep up the good work, my friends. Godspeed. Thank you, Lowell. Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org, doing a phenomenal job as always. Hour one of the can, hour two coming up. Scott Bradley, our guest. For Sam and Kurt at LibertyRoundTable.com, we declare this nation shall endure. Donate today. God save the Republic of the United States of America. Yeah.